0: yes people welcome back to process a podcast by me brendan pearson so another guest interview slash podcast today we are joined by jordan Davison, aka marksman so jordan runs his own one-to-one football based coaching business and also does a few other businesses alongside that as well but specializing in one-to-one football coaching So it was great to get Jordan on today, talking about loads of different things from obviously his business, one-to-one, how it all started, his struggles at school, going into then college and then eventually university, how he kind of struggled to balance his life, his job, everything that was going on at the time, as well as trying to grow his business and some of the struggles that he had through that. Also, we give our opinion on coaches and whether coaches need to play the game to kind of earn that respect or to actually do well in their career or maybe the other side of it coming from a more educational background not playing the game and progressing through the ranks so how it kind of works and our opinion on it and then finally we talk a bit about jordan's routine and goals through lockdown what he's been trying to do how he's been setting out his day and also a bit about how to set up a normal day as a footballer during lockdown and then going into pre-season so plenty of topics great discussion with jordan today We'll get on with the podcast. This is Process. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we're joined by another guest. We have got Jordan Davidson, a.k.a. Marksman. Welcome to the podcast, mate.
1: Yes, mate.
0: (laughs) Uh, Don't don't mind our trims. That's the one thing we're worried about now. Lockdown's (laughs) getting deep into a few weeks deep now, so the trims are struggling, so we need Bachi back. But uh, great to have you on the podcast. I want to say, first of all, thanks for shouting us out on your... First episode of your podcast so appreciate that yeah
1: totally fine mate in all fairness right when when you like set it up it just like gave us an extra bit of like motivation to go and do it felt like didn't like i say in the podcast had no confidence to go and do it and just seeing you like do it
0: actually helped me a lot so that's i felt like credit credit where it's due really and oh, no, i appreciate that I, there's a lot of things in like life that you just need to literally just do it and then things happen and like you look back and think like oh, thank god I've done that then or like you don't want to look back at you down the line like oh I wish I started then so you wait some time but now fair play and secondly we so being Jordan done a like a live hit slash football workout like two weeks ago or something on Instagram how much did you struggle with that hit workout
1: oh <laughs> hey miss, don't 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 get started with that because I was trying to like I see when all the like pro footballers were joining and I was trying to like keep a good level and just like towards the end, like I was just dead. It was another like, two fair. sessions after that as well.
0: Yeah. Horrible. It was pretty tough to be fair, but my you know, I struggled with the ball the ball skill stuff and I was a bit rusty with that. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So just a little be good to intro the people obviously who don't know you, a little bit about yourself, and mm-hmm. um, what you do, and uh, pretty much that.
1: So basically what I do, um just Just finished my degree studying uh, sports science and coaching. Um, Outside of my academic stuff, I'm studying my UEFA B course for coaching. Um, So previously as well, done my personal training like yourself in my sports massage. And then the companies that I'm currently running, like you mentioned, is just more or less marksman one-to-one football coaching. Um, Started off as marksman striker training hence the name Marksman. And then from there it just grew really. And then on the side of that, I've um, one of the core head coaches at MP1 Performance, which is just more group coaching, private. And then I'm working at my mom's coffee shop on the side on a Sunday. Yeah. So it keeps us dead busy. And then on on the weekends when comes back hopefully i work for a company called offbeat um which does the events at vegan lovello's so we'll touch upon them later but obviously yeah. as you can tell got a lot going on
0: busy man well, that that's good like because you're really, <laughs> it's good to see young lads and stuff that are just constantly doing stuff rather than just like doing the monday to friday job and then getting out on the last and stuff like that so it's good that you keep totally. yourself busy so i definitely make so I was talking about kind of your journey, I like to talk about people's kind of journey or process. Hence the name of the podcast. From say when you were at school, did you always kind of? Well, first of all, you probably always had an interest. Like every single lad in football, yes, yeah. every lad, especially in the northeast, has a massive interest mm-hmm. in football. What certain point did it get to where you kind of thought, oh, like, oh, maybe I'm going to dive into coaching, or maybe did you? Did in fact did you pursue football as a young lad? Were you play, yeah, Were you playing at a decent so level?
1: I was playing at about. I started when I was four and then made my way up just grassroots. And then, like, I think it was because I didn't like leaving my friends at grassroots. I wasn't, like, the most confident kid. And I got trials at some decent clubs, but I just never wanted to really leave my mates sort of thing. And then at school, PE PE especially was, like, the main, like, reason why I enjoyed going to school. But within my school, I had such a good, like, group of footballers. And it was, like, just, like, being around them constantly It was great for me. But then that, also on the flip side, it was a negative because it it showed me that I knew what I had to do and be at that level to get into academy football. And I knew I was nowhere near their levels. So that's when I started taking in... Interest in business and also um, PA and coaching. And I wanted to really just help them achieve their goals. And that's what I was really proud of because I felt like if I can't do it, I may as well help someone else try and achieve yeah. them. So that's more or less what made us get into coaching and as well as like business sides. So I've just always really liked business as well.
0: Yeah. So, what age were you when you started coaching, kind of looking into that? That side of the game? So,
1: I started volunteering when I was about 14, 15. Yeah. So, obviously, that's like sometimes it's more unless you peak into football at times in development, youth development, anyways. And I think it was about 14, 15. And then that was just volunteering at my local club on a Saturday morning, like nine o'clock. Um, so yeah that was that was where it all started and from there I just kept volunteering at like Northumberland FA and then work experience there and then I got a work experience at Newcastle Foundation and then just kept growing interest and experience and it just really had started to really want I wanted it as a job yeah so academically though at the time I wasn't I wasn't too bright. Like I was actually quite a slow learner in terms of learning stuff that I didn't actually like have an interest in. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, I think I was predicted really bad results actually. And I, I, I think I proved the teachers wrong in GCSA. I know GCSA aren't
0: that hard, but yeah. obviously for me, it's still at that age it is, mate. It's... Yeah,
1: definitely. And then I think I done. I went into A levels and then I struggled massively with that. Like, jump from gcse to a level i think the workload was just massively different yeah. to gcse's what did you do it's, with a
0: levels what did you study i'd
1: done business i'd done pe i'd done ict
0: yeah
1: and i'd done i'd done science like a BTEC science uh-huh. so they're all like more or less grasps what i wanted to do in the future and um, i think i dropped business halfway through uh, because i wasn't doing too well in that and I thought it was quite hard in terms of doing four A levels at the time. And at one point, I actually found it too hard. Like it uh-huh. got, it was that bad. I went to Time Met to do a coaching job. Done all the contracts, signed everything, and I was actually ordered my tracksuit, like sizes and everything. On the last day, um my head just flipped. Really, like I just. I went into the office, told them I was going to leave uh, sixth form and this was in my second year when I was just about to go try and get into university and then went in and they said, you do know you're much capable of doing a lot better and going down that route of going to university and you can try and get a good job within elite sport through that and that's where it really motivated Mm -hmm. me to go and do better just in life in general. And that's where my growth mindset really began because I felt like beforehand, I, I just accepted being like rubbish and getting told I'm gonna get rubbish grades. And I mm-hmm. think that was the turning point when I really like started Excel and that's how I got into university. I was not predicted to at all. And mm-hmm. I felt like just that having that someone from outside of my like social bubble tell me that I'm capable of doing something who doesn't really know me but sees me from a other point of perspective that really gave us them like the motivation I needed to go off and do other things
0: so Uh yeah
1: that's more or
0: less from school to now really. No that's good it's good you can obviously see you've had like these little stepping stones like you obviously there was a point when you were younger where you might have realised that maybe football wasn't the path a lot of kids would kind of go down the path of like what they call it, like losing their head or going off track. But you've obviously then took that say, mm. opportunity and said, right, now nah, I can put my mind at the coaching, which is a good thing. It obviously shows the type of person that you are, which a lot of people, like I said, probably wouldn't be doing that. You went down that path going Saturday mornings, whatever, doing your coaching and then you got to A-levels oh, and stuff. Trust me, and then, yeah. trust me,
1: them Saturday, them Saturday <laughs> mornings, especially when I turned about, I think it's when I turned 17. Like, I'll, I'll admit, I wasn't the most committed at the time because it was volunteering. Yeah. In 17, you just started like, well, you're not meant to, but you start going out and you start like going to house, well, used to go to house parties. I don't really see many of them now, by the way. No. And uh, and sometimes I wouldn't turn up. Sometimes I'd turn up, do like the best session I've ever done in my life. And then sometimes I'd just be half-hearted about it. So I think it's when I really matured was about 18, 19 in terms of coaching. I yeah. felt like, obviously, I feel like, You'd be lying if you said you were fourteen, fifteen, and you were mature enough to do football coaching or volunteer or I don't know to a big commitment. I feel like you'd be lying if you did, said that. Really.
0: Yeah. Do you think there was any reason why mature? matured? Was it like a, a moment or like a realization or? Um,
1: I think it's because I just couldn't do it. Turning up hungover like to football sessions, I felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. And then obviously when I went started going to university, I realized the importance of my impact on other people's lives, especially when I'm football coaching. Because obviously that's what I went on to study. Uh And I feel like when when that's the player's favorite time of the week to come to your session, and you're being half-hearted about it and not giving them the right effort and intensity that they deserve because that's their best hour of the week. You don't yeah. want to ruin their hour of the week, which is, it might be getting away from the parents who constantly argue. It might be them just like getting away from schoolwork. You're their go-to person. You're a role model, really. And that's what really
0: changed it for me. Yeah, I think just learning about it more. I think it's just becoming. I think the older you get, the more mindful you become about things. And I think that's one of the key things that you probably totally. develop, like being mindful, like the same for me in terms of, i do done a podcast a few days ago with someone and we we're talking about PT sessions. Like, even though we might have like 10 sessions in one day, just an example, like on a really busy day, that eight or nine for 10 session, the person's still coming in. Like, mm. and they don't care about the seven or eight sessions you've had before. Like, they like the similar sort of situation. They might have like stress at home. They might have an argument with the missus. They might had a crap day at work. They want to come in and just forget about things for that one hour and just train hard and feel good. And you've got to, no matter how tired you are, no matter what day you've had, you've got to kind of be there. Yeah. Totally. Person to pick them up. So it's good that you develop that at a young age. And I think a lot of people, it takes time for the mindfulness to kind Massively. of come. Like, yeah. for me, it probably took me until like, to really get into it is probably like 20-ish, probably like mm-hmm. 19, 20, maybe, maybe 21. So it takes time kind of thing. And people develop it over certain times through going through situations or maybe they just have a realisation and it hits that age. Like, all right, maybe I need to do this kind of thing. But no, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, so, totally good. <laughs> so it started university. How did you, did you feel like there was a lot of pressure? Like, first of all, when you were at the time at college, doing your college work So, did you feel there was a lot of pressure from other people, or maybe family, or maybe it was just pressure from yourself to kind of go down and like excel at a certain thing. Because I don't know, it, because you said that you 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 felt like you weren't uh, what do you call a very intellectual or whatever. Did you feel like yeah, I, there wasn't I a lot of pressure, like, or there was a lot of pressure because of that?
1: Um, I felt like I had to do the three years. Like, regardless to where I wanted to go in life, I had to do these three years, regardless if I liked it or not. In order to, like, work where I want to work, which is obviously within elite sport, you need a degree, well, currently, or you need to be someone who's played at the highest level. And obviously, I can't, I'm not that person. So I knew that I have to get academically the best I possibly can, which is obviously doing a degree. So from... I think it was because I enjoyed sports coaching. I decided to do like a, like one of them dual degrees when they bring two subjects together. So yeah, yeah. I was doing coaching and sports science, so my anatomy, my psychology, um, my biomechanics, stuff like that, and then alongside my coaching. So obviously that would bring my mark up as well because I would take a very high interest in coaching while I wasn't that good at my um anatomy sort of stuff
0: yeah
1: obviously over the years um obviously i have got better at that sort of stuff i think like it's it's when it you jump a level i think it's quite scary and uh how you react to it i feel like some people leave I like really take it on and invest a lot of time into studying and revising which i'll touch upon later um about how I. I had to try and juggle all these jobs and yeah, as, well as, you that as well as yeah.
0: uni. Yeah,
1: I'll talk about that in a bit. But it's just like, I just knew that I had to do it. And regardless of how I liked it or how much I enjoyed it, I had to get through that. So that's what really kept us ticking and focused throughout the full three years, uh-huh. even though it did get really stressful
0: and really hard for me personally. Uh-huh. Just a little thing, you touched upon it, how you obviously didn't, there's two kind of paths to becoming a a top coach kind of thing there's the ones where you see a yeah. lot of coaches coming out of football going into it because they've played at a top level which is it is a mm-hmm. big advantage kind of thing obviously they still need to do the coaching yeah. badges and whatever but they don't need that university education and then there's the mm-hmm. other pathway you're coming at from more just purely your coaching background do you feel yeah. it's first of all more difficult and secondly do you feel like you need to earn people's respect now it's quite a tough question but just because I I remember a lot of coaches and stuff who hadn't like players would say, there was about coaches who hadn't played the game, or they maybe only played a game at a lower level. Like they don't maybe have the same respect level because they haven't been through the same thing that they have. Do you find that, yeah, it's challenge? a good
1: question? That nah. I it's know, I've got you off
0: guard on this one.
1: Um, no, um, in all fairness, I can answer that answer that, all right, to be fair. Um, because I feel like you've got to have a balance, okay. Um, you can be the best football player in the world, and then you can go into a coaching environment totally different. And then you've not got you can't you haven't got the right leadership or coaching style, like you can gain respect to a certain extent. Like it's all about the buy in that you have with the players. Yeah. And I feel like if you make a good start, like on a personal one to one connection, first of all, that's a benefit, regardless your manners, how you appear to that person and then your knowledge, and then, like you say, experience of what you've done in the game. So say, I don't know, for an example, say Wayne Rooney's a great player, but then he goes into, like, say, I don't know, starts coaching Watford, for example, don't know why, just random, right. and then he goes into that environment. Yeah, he's going to get the respect, like you say, straight away because of the career he's had, but then say he wants to play three-five-two 5 2 with a team that's only used to play 4 four-three-three or something like that then in the start losing there is constantly, then he's going to start losing that respect as a manager. Of course, he's always going to keep it as a player. Uh-huh. But in terms, I feel like it's a key that you, you've got, like you say, if p- coaches have a good knowledge, but they can't replicate or demo the drills, I think that's just as bad. Because you can be the brightest button in the world, but if you can't replicate what you want to demonstrate to the players, they're not going to give you that respect in terms of, well, he can't do it, so why should I listen to him sort of thing. So, yeah, like you say, I think it's all about balance and coaching. If you don't have one thing, then you're going to lose it. And if you don't have experience, you're going to lose it as well. So that's why I kept coaching and playing throughout. So I was learning as a player and I was learning as a coach. And then I take the different point of views and things like the needs such as the playing experience as well as um learning from coaches I had, taking the best things away from them, then put them into my coaching experiences. Yeah. So like good question that because there is a lot of there is a lot of um tension within like I, I've realized especially on Twitter of people not liking these degree coaches. But I feel like if you've got a balance between both of them, experience and knowledge then it's all right i think it was, yeah. was it not sorry it was not sorry uh the chelsea manager and natalie manager yeah. he didn't actually have a good coaching and playing career i'm sure he didn't I'm sure.
0: Really?
1: and i'm sure he uh just developed these badges and experiences like in a, as a coach throughout and now he's playing i'm sure he's coaching at the elite level don't yeah. don't take us on that because I'm, yeah. I'm just sure off the top of my head it is him
0: there'll be a few mate but the thing another point like I 100% agree with you. I just thought i you the question anyway. But I 100% agree there's got to be a balance. And as well, I've had some dickhead ex-player coaches, like some ones. And I think the ones like who are up and coming, who have been through education, are also a lot more mindful, I think. I think they've got that mm-hmm. side of it as well. And they think about it from the player's perspective, even if they haven't been a player themselves. And I know a lot of like old school footballers who have went on to coach. And they're just like the the they, they, they don't get that plate like relationship. Like the they feel like because totally. they've played the game they think they're better than everybody else or they think they've done this, that, and the other. And then also yeah. as well, I think people who are coming up, they probably feel like they need to earn the respect a bit more. So mm-hmm. they maybe respect the players in a certain way or treat them a certain way, which players like more. Um mm-hmm. but a hundred percent hundred percent agree that like you don't have to be an ex-player you don't have to have played the game to be to be a good coach and you've, you've probably got more of that tactical awareness because you're watching the game from above all the time rather than playing the game because you miss things when you're playing the game as well yeah like I've, CBF, been, I've been uh, i've been in positions when i've played a game and then i've thought i've done the right thing i've looked back at it on a clip and then it's the complete wrong thing and my coach has said oh you should have tried this 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 and this that you see the game completely different
1: yeah, definitely. It does open your mind up, coach, and I, felt like, I feel like any player should actually get coaching education because it might open up a door for them later down in the line. Yeah. It also increases your knowledge of why your coach might do stuff so you get a better understanding of the coach. And then three, you also get a better understanding of the game and the tactics. So I feel like down the line in the future, obviously the FA should not only like bring out co- uh, parent education massive on yeah. um, parent education needs to improve
0: yeah and then, especially for young you have seen some like totally. of parents at young kids games like getting out It gets out of hand sometimes
1: yeah and then um and then down the line player i know they do a bit of player education but i don't think in terms of like coaching etc they could possibly do more but yeah uh-huh. it was a good question
0: I, yeah, and yeah. I like
1: that one it's a good debate actually
0: yeah it is a big debate like there's probably people who have got opinions on it there's probably players you probably think I would only want to be coached by their next player because they respect them or whatever but yeah. I think you've got to be very open as a player to what your coach has and if your coach comes in he's never played before but he's tactically fantastic you get some of the players he knows how to like player management and stuff which is a, which I think is what probably don't know what your opinion is like, in terms of player management it's like nearly up there in terms of importance of being tactically good and having the player manager because if you've got all the knowledge in the world and you know how to play formations and set the team up, but the players don't yeah. really like it or they don't want to listen to you, then it's pointless. Yeah,
1: uh, which definitely. Is
0: another topic. Anyway, so talking a little bit about your business, obviously marksman one to one, cricket training. How did it kind of all come about? How, like, how old were you when you started it, and how did it all come about?
1: So I think I was it was last year actually. So I would have been about nineteen. Um. Oh wait, no, twenty. I'm getting old now. Yeah. Both days mixed up. God, <laughs> I just turned twenty-one. Um. So the initial idea came from me thinking about my previous playing experiences and what annoyed me as a player. So I thought about it. Um, I didn't actually think about it a lot, you know. Like I think it was just it was on the fourth of January. I was bored and I was thinking about business ideas because, I, like I said, I like I do like my business. And I was thinking about the multiple income thing, which I was talking about in my podcast. And I felt like players don't get enough attention to reach the top of their game. Like you go in your hour or two a week coaching and you get coached as a team unless you've got the right resources like you would in the academy to then get your individual coaching. Yeah. And I felt like players who obviously were like semi-pro amateur, that's what I set out at the beginning anyways, amateur going into semi-pro who didn't get the right attention and also provide um, enjoyment for those who fell out of the game so I feel like when you go into a one-to-one environment I think you enjoyed a lot more sometimes rather than just going getting absolutely blasted in football fitness sessions etc so I feel like for enjoyment fitness and just like confidence really I think that's what I set it off originally at. And I chucked myself into the deep end, really. I think it took it. I didn't actually think about setting the business up at all. And I think looking back now, I would have done that differently. So I started with just publishing the idea. And then I got some graphics created and then tested some drills out with someone made to obviously play at a decent level. Got the clothing, got it embroidered, looked the part, got a business cards, insurance. Cost us quite a bit, actually. I think it cost yeah. us about... 200, 250 pounds, just to set it up, but this was just with like a bag of balls, cones, nothing fancy, and um, then I had to go out, reach out to those who I thought were interested. I didn't do much marketing, if I was honest. I looked at the local football clubs, and then I provided free sessions and taster sessions to teams, so I had to go out there, get my clients, they weren't gonna come to me. And then, that was all trial and error, really. And it took us about three months, I think it did, to actually start generating some sort of an income. And that's in the process of that, having three months, I actually thought about just scrapping it all off because I felt like I just, I wasn't achieving anything. Like I put so much time and effort into it to get nothing back. So that's how I more or less started it. And then obviously down the line, it's progressed a bit
0: more no. yeah yeah so obviously talking about the one-to-one side of it you mentioned a little bit like how you felt that there isn't enough ten- attention put on individual players in training sessions and I even feel kind of even at like academy level and stuff like that you still so there is occasional times where coaches would do one-to-one stuff you, but like, for me mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper you, you do get that like quite a lot but as an outfield player I feel like you don't really get that and everybody's got their individual weaknesses and I think the point that you made as well about building people's confidence. If you're getting one to one stuff, you're like the centre of attention in a way, and I think a lot of players do need that, especially ones that maybe the heads down or they fell out of love with the game or the confidence has dropped sort of thing. And I think that one to one time is it's like a gap in the market for it. Like I've never really heard too I've heard of a few people in terms of goalkeeping, I've heard of one to one training but outfielding and stuff, I haven't yeah, really heard it's, too it's much. So, goalkeepers, yeah. Yeah, there's loads of goalkeeping stuff, but for outfield, there definitely isn't uh sort of stuff. So it just goes to show you started off with like little bits and bobs and stuff. So which kind of team, what level was the team that you were going to? Was it just like amateur, so semi-pro? The
1: first, the first ones I was setting out to were just local ones within my area of where I live, and they were just youth amateurs, really. So yeah. I think in terms of setting that up, I just had to. That's who I aimed at originally. Uh, the, all the media that I put out was just more aimed at kids. Uh-huh. Obviously, I had I set out deliberately. Um, I wanted to put out the best, the best possible I could at the time. Media and also the quality of the sessions was key because I felt like if I've got these qualifications, I need to use them to my full extent. And I don't like people or coaches. Who are in it for themselves? Yeah, for just the money. I felt like you're only gonna be fifty percent of the hundred percent you can be if you're just in it for the money. Because if obviously you like yourself, you're in it because you enjoy it. You you want to make a change. You take an interest yourself. I feel like if you're just taking an interest in the subject yourself, and you you're just in it for like a job, I feel like not. Not good enough. I felt like you've got to like take pride into what you do. And that's exactly what I set out to do from the beginning till now. And I don't care who I work with, whether I be an amateur athlete or a professional athlete, I'll still give them the best like yeah. our session that I possibly can and the amount of attention that I give them. And the quality of the content will all be scientifically proven and there'll always be a reason behind things. And I've mm-hmm. realized that obviously weren't with you a lot recently. You need to be around the right people to get that and um, to to keep it up and to find new ideas. I feel like once you get into a process of just looking at stuff on Instagram and then taking it and then replicating it. And you don't there's a lot of coaches now on Instagram who just do drills because it looks good. Yeah. And I feel like that's portrayed one to one coaching as a bad thing. Because I know now as a team coach and volunteer coach as well, there's a lot of people who don't actually agree with one-on-one coaching. And I feel like it's because of the people who... Just try to replicate what other people do, and they see it on Instagram, Facebook. Oh, that looks good jumping over hurdles. Them ladders do not get me started on them ladders. Oh, bro. mate,
0: I know. I've In- seen loads of like from the strength conditioning side. Like, I've seen people going crazy. Like, that's not going to make you quick. It's not going to make you like it's, so, it's all nice, like doing the little fancy feet stuff. But looks good when's, when yeah. you're going to replicate that on a football pitch, or like when you're going to replicate exactly. that anywhere, really
1: but it 's just like like I say it, and i I, totally, I can totally understand why some people actually think you know, it 's a bad thing, but in terms of what I deliver it's just, it 's just everything there has to be a reason behind it I feel like yeah. that 's just I feel like if you get into a process of that just generally in life and think why you 're doing everything literally not not like why you might pick up a glass because obviously you know what I mean but just, <laughs> yeah. just like some things you need to think about why but if you become over critical of asking yourself why that's when you start mentally problems
0: I think. yeah uh, no 100% you've got to think about everything's got to have a purpose and a reason like, there's no point like talking about the sessions mm-hmm. the fancy footwork drills you've got to look at the person look at the athlete or look at the even if it's like a young kid that you train like what do they need to actually work on not like what looks good and, it, and it, if yeah. you want to see them benefit, that there's no point in you putting a fancy session on for someone. It looks good, but their performance isn't actually getting anywhere. Like you'll end up progressing when you see their progressing on the pitch or whatever mm-hmm. it is, if it's in the gym, whatever. So we can relate it to anything. But uh, yeah, moving, so moving a little bit on, in terms of progression, anyway, how do you feel or what do you feel has kind of helped your confidence as a coach? progress the more that we've kind of moved through it and especially knowledge-wise as well
1: good good question Um, so obviously when I first started with youth amateur athletes and then to semi-pro and now professionals which I'm very honored to spend time with I feel like we've got if you spend time with professionals you just I don't know what yeah. it is you just I don't know you just get a buzz really yeah. Um, not saying I don't like when I'm with like the younger ones but in I feel like when I first started off, the content of my drill, drills weren't as good. They Uh really weren't. I look back and think, like, I look at some of them actually, and I'm like, did I actually do that drill? (laughs) Like, and then now I look at some of the content that I do and some of the drills, like, I felt like it's developed a lot in terms Uh of the quality of the service, definitely, so in terms of knowledge-wise, knowledge def- like, I think my knowledge has definitely improved, but that's through reflection. Looking back constantly at stuff that I've done and also just through, obviously, learning along my degree alongside of that. So like I say, everything's got a reason behind why I do everything, why I might have brought like, um, some of the GPS monitors in just to track how well the player's actually working. And then stuff like different bits of equipment, um, such as um, I started to bring in, I think it was poles because I used them as hurdles as well as also just for movement patterns, stuff like that. I felt like my knowledge in terms of the use of the equipment and also the content of my drills has improved. But as a uh, confidence, I wouldn't have said I became more confident or less confident. I just think I've developed more of a belief in why I've actually done stuff. Um, why I do specific things or drills within the session um I just working with better athletes hasn't really affected my confidence. Obviously, I get more nervous than uh-huh. I would because obviously I'm a, bit not more a pressure hey? yeah yeah yeah, a little bit more definitely, pressure. but other than that i wouldn't say my confidence has uh, changed definitely yeah well i
0: think you've got to be a confident lad to do what you've done Mm -hmm. like when you started out with 14 going to coach people as a coach you need to be confident like it takes a lot to like stand in front of a group of lads even if they're like eight nine years old like and produce a session sort of thing it still takes a lot a bit of confidence and you've got parents watching and stuff so you've obviously always had that and i feel like with confidence the more that you do the more hours that you put in the more people that you work in front of them All the confidence just comes naturally anyway without you probably even realizing that it comes yeah uh, do you know what it is
1: right you say that put me in a room with like strangers i'm the most quietest person ever like yeah just generally like even if like i knew some of them like i'm mate i'm like not i'm an introvert really like i don't i, I don't thrive for like attention of other people like i'm not like yeah. loud or when it comes to coaching Coaching's a different sort of ball game. That's when I like come alive sort of thing. Yeah. I feel like coaching, well, what I've learned from is it's like acting. Uh-huh. And the best coaches are the best actors. Yeah. And like you said, as a personal trainer as well, you can relate to that because you are a coach to it, an extent as well. And it's like some days you might not feel like it, but you need to power through it. Like you might have a really bad headache, but like relating to what was said at the beginning, it's about acting and coaching you're not always going to be fine, but you've got to give whoever you're training the best intensity possible and consistently to get the best out of them, I thing. think. So yeah. it's about the best acting. Like I say, confidence-wise, as soon as I get onto a football pitch, yes, I'm at it constantly, but come off a football pitch, I'm very quiet, actually.
0: Yeah, I know. So well, it's, f- it's weird. Talking about that, so like... There's a few things I can't remember. It was a it was Modern Wisdom podcast I was listening to. If you've not listened to what Modern Wisdom, you need to Chris Williamson. So he, I think it's Chris Williamson. Uh, he does a podcast. So he was talking about. I think he was on about you know Avicii, obviously who passed away. He was on about introverts and extroverts, and there's actually different kind of like types of introverts and extroverts. And I think mm-hmm. I'm probably the same as you. We're what we call introvert extroverts. So we're very quiet and we keep ourselves to ourselves, but we when we get into like conversation with the right people or maybe I'm better. I talk one-to-one and I can talk all day. But if I'm talking Mm -hmm. to a group of people, I'll keep myself to myself and I'll just listen and I might whisper something to someone else. Yeah, that's definitely. mm -hmm. I'm more one-to-one that you you kind of, you come out your shell when you are talking about something that you're passionate about. Uh, and he ends up talking about, like, that's what Avicii kind of needed, this, like, someone to talk to, like, like half-to-half and stuff, and, next, like, talk his emotions, and he didn't want to go out and party and stuff, like, extroverts normally do. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are like that, and a lot of coaches have to be like that, and you're talking about it being, like, a performance. If you look at, like, that's the Man City documentary that's on uh, Amazon. I've what it's called uh. now. But if, you, if anybody's watched that, you've seen Pep Guardiola, how, like, enthusiastic and stuff he is. But he's probably mm-hmm. quite a, like, I don't know what he's like, to be fair. I don't know what he's like, but he's probably like quiet person outside of the change room and stuff. Yeah, he's like, not
1: going to be as soon.
0: Yeah, he's not going to be like in your face like that all the time. It's a like performance to get the players going and stuff. And he he might have, like, he I think he had to take a break after Bayern Munich, didn't he? He had a year, was it was yeah. a full year out and went away. So he obviously had things going on in his head mentally and whatever. He was struggling with stuff, but he still had to perform and give the players what they need to go out and obviously perform. So. Mm-hmm so like like there's a lot more to being coaching than just confidence and stuff but you do have to be confident uh the more the more you do the better you you become with it uh Mm -hmm. so we're going to touch on this anyway so how did you kind of manage to balance like first of all starting off at college and stuff and then going into uni balancing university obviously your business uh working at your your mom's coffee shop and then Bit of nightclub and more and stuff like that. Like yeah. all, all these little things. How did you manage to balance it?
1: If if I'm honest, I never really balanced uni, my business, and social life. I felt like there was always just one thing dragging us down, and the rest wouldn't get the same um, intensity, really. And probably why I ended up slacking in one area. So If I'd invest too much time and effort like I always did in, say, my businesses, then I'd not give as much energy in terms of my uni work or um, my other jobs. And it started to become a problem, actually. I got mentally and physically exhausted. So I think it was Monday, finished uni session. Tuesday, same. Wednesday... I'd finish work because on Wednesday I'd get a day off. But I'd work, I'd actually work at my mom's coffee shop on the Wednesday, nine to five. And then I'd train myself, um, I'd train with my team six to seven. And then Thursday back at uni. And then I was coaching Thursday night, uh, volunteer football coach. And then Friday it was uni. Then I was at the nightclub. And then Saturday, that eventually changed to a Saturday, which I'll talk about in a second. And then Saturday was football in the morning from like nine o'clock. So I wouldn't get in from the nightclub till about, it used to be two o'clock in the morning, about two. Then I eventually got it back at one, um, 12, sorry. And then Saturday morning, it was nine, till about 11. Then I was playing football one, half one to like three. And then Sunday I was back at work. And then I get, and then sometimes I'd have a session on a Sunday night just to try and fit anyone in that I couldn't previously. So, throughout that week, you try and identify the times of when I could actually like relax and like yeah. spend time with my family, my girlfriend, and my friends, and it's actually really hard. And yeah. I've actually it affected my moods, my sleep pattern, productivity, social life, and it just. I became too reliant upon other things, such as like caffeine to try and get us through the days. Yeah. And I didn't really have time to really like meal prep like I wanted to. And my intensity with my training myself and coaching just started to go downhill. And it got to us really badly one day. I think it's because I had an absolute shocker of a game in football. And I was thinking like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't do it. And it was just like I've become too focused on the process that I was in. And long-term, maybe, yes, it'll bring some success in terms of I'm still generating a good income, I'm getting the right experience, i coaching. But upon reflection, right, and upon reflection, looking back, it did cause a lot of mental stress and also it didn't bring happiness at all. So becoming too focused on my process and where I wanted to go was actually bad because it pushed away a lot of people for us and especially family members and my girlfriend, my friends, it, it wasn't beneficial for me and Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, it's good being like you say, being on a good process, having a good mindset throughout that, but Looking back now, especially when we're in lockdown, it's been a blessing for me, really, because now I've been able to spend that time that I didn't give to those that I didn't have time beforehand. Like, I've been able to go see my grandma a lot more, my granddad, my nana. I've been able to speak and get to know my dad's job properly, and also see my girlfriend a lot more, my friends. So, it's been a blessing, really, lockdown for me personally, because the past like year or two, just being like, non-stop yeah. constantly so i yeah. feel like yeah I, it's um it's been quite a tough mental battle as well as physically because i feel like obviously doing so many football sessions coaching and like you do yourself personal training you don't realize how much you actually get involved in it yeah and especially after i bought my apple watch and set how many calories i actually burn just coaching is ridiculous yeah. like i think i've about 400 to 600 just in like around an hour session just help like d- run around setting the cones up getting involved in the demos yeah. you don't realize how much that takes it's all in it and now i understand why i was always flat outcome my football games training uh-huh. and i was always straight to bed as soon as i got in so yeah, yeah. Mate, it was it was a very long time and i'm glad it's over with now if i'm yeah.
0: The thing that there's loads of great points there, mate. Like balance is a big thing, especially when like being like an entrepreneur, a businessman, especially being like on your own. You have to kind of. I always feel that you do have to have a good stint where you do kind of run yourself into the ground. Mm-hmm. It, it's some to kind of get to the point where you can actually be a bit more flexible and have like a bit more balance. At the same yeah. time, you 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 can't burn yourself out too much because then it like it starts affecting other parts of your life like if you've got a girlfriend or whatever like your family and stuff you you can't get it let it get to the point where it's starting affecting that or sometimes it actually takes it until they get to the point where it's starting affecting other parts of your life or even your own health mm-hmm. like you were talking about smash like having caffeine and the long nights that like you probably weren't sleeping well and i was gonna i'm gonna do a no. podcast talking about caffeine and stuff like that because a lot of people don't realize the effects of like how much uh, having poor sleep can affect you, especially like like long-term. Uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you only get like four, five, even six hours a night long-term, it massively affects your health. The caffeine, constantly moving around and not giving any sort of time to just chill, um, mm-hmm. can affect you long-term. But like I said, I do feel that there's got to be periods where you do have to kind of put social life, partying, doing the things you enjoy on the back burner and focus on your business. And then hopefully one point yeah. you can kind of, you'd be able to take a step back because you might be in a better position financially. Your business might be doing all right. You might be able to take that day off rather than just like having to get as many people in, as many clients in, as many business hours or whatever in. Um, mm-hmm. But it does take a lot of grind as I call it grind to get to that point, which yeah. it's kind of good. Like the same as me lockdowns being a blessing because I can kind of back off obviously not doing one-to-one stuff. I can kind of back off and focus more on my online stuff, which is quite nice because that's the stuff that i like, haven't had enough time when you're doing God knows how many hours a week.
1: Yeah, totally, mate. You know, you say that, right? The amount of people I train, right, like a week, and I wasn't actually getting the chance to train myself. You know, I was thinking, like, no wonder, like, I'm not at a fitness I used to be, like, level-wise. Obviously, it's all good, like, trying to help people constantly, but I felt like, especially most recently, if I'm not in the best shape I can be possibly, like, then – it's going to take its toll down the line, especially when I'm like trying to set like a good example for everyone else. And I feel like when you're like a a figure to other people, especially the young kids, I feel like you need to set the best example. So during lockdown, I've been spending a lot more time um, improving my fitness massively uh, in terms of just like cardio wise, not weight wise because I just wanted to just generally just get a lot fitter than I have been previously. And it, it's I've been investing a lot more time in myself than I previous have been. Like I've said to you, I've been like reading um, that legacy book, which I thought great, was really good. Great book, yeah. Never had time. Never had time beforehand to read, like thoroughly read it through. I've been doing like online courses. I've always said I wanted to do. Yeah. And I've, it's just like stuff like that, like just like engaging with people I've never been able to engage with. So in terms of lockdown, it's been really good for me, especially with just finished my degree. Now I can focus on like the things, like I've said before, of, that I've never had previously. So yeah. I'm quite happy in terms of like right now, just mentally and also physically as well.
0: Yeah. It's just you've used this time to kind of invest in yourself, which is, I think, lockdown's been the perfect time to do those things that reinvest yourself and you talk about you up your fitness levels and stuff that'll first of all like help you when you, when it comes to those long days and stuff because you're going to have more energy you're fitter you're going to be able to like deal with more volume yeah. in terms even if you're just demonstrating sessions you're not actually doing them yourself. you're going to be mm-hmm. fitter so it's going to help you like recovery wise like it's it's stupid like pe- people who have busy business schedules they keep, if you keep yourself fit your energy levels is going to be so much better than if you just mm-hmm. kind of sack it off or whatever and also a big thing that I believe in especially in the industry that we're in like obviously I have more football and more fitness but you are your own business yeah. card like you've got to look good especially in my kind of industry if I, mm-hmm. there's some personal trainers that I look at I'm like like I wouldn't yeah, be, I wouldn't right. be going to see him because he doesn't look in good shape the people who I follow the people who I would buy programs off or want one-to-one PT off They've got to be absolute machines. If I like, they've got to be where yeah. I want to be, the level that I want to be at. And, like you're working mm-hmm. on your your football skills, I've seen you've been doing. You've been working on your fitness, So especially when you're demonstrating the sessions. If you're out of breath and if you're struggling and losing the ball when you're demonstrating stuff, it doesn't look good. If yeah. you're yeah. thinking like he's telling us to do Massively. this, but he, he can't do it himself. Fair enough. You're not going to be at people's level no. with, you, with top pros and stuff, but.
1: It totally. Do you know what it totally relates back to? That coaching. If you can't replicate it, you're not gonna set a good like. You're not gonna be an idol or an inspiration of us. It totally, and it's massive in personal training. I think, Uh it it, especially personal because people want to aspire to be you and your body. Like as bad as it sounds, like the do. Yeah. Like that's never gonna change. Like, in terms of like. People looking at other people's body and comparing themselves. I feel like football's a bit more flexible in that yeah. because you can have coaches, like you say, with that look a lot different, especially in the Premier League, that look a lot different and stuff. And um, the body shapes and images aren't the best, but they're still gain the respect because of the knowledge. So football, in terms of comparing personal training and body images and, um setting an example needs to be the best possibly I personally and I, I hate to say it because it shouldn't be like that really Yeah. but it has. I feel like it, it has to be to a good extent while yeah, football yeah. a lot more flexible in terms of coaching and training
0: yeah I think in terms of football like it's more the ability on the ball so that's like your business card if you've got a coach who's decent on the ball like I've Trip team coaches like who have joined in sessions and they're ridiculous and I just look like I, like you get respect earned straight away and then also you can have a bit of banter yep. with the lads and stuff if you've got a like if you're a decent footballer and you join in sessions and stuff. I think yeah, that's totally. like the and and then even the managers who are a bit older, who maybe aren't in good shape or whatever. Like I know that oh, he was the one who uh, always has a cigarette in his mouth. I can't remember. There used to be one who used to always have a cigarette in his mouth. I used to chew to chew tobacco or oh, something like that. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> yeah, something like that. Sorry but hey, again. I don't know. I don't know who it is. But there's probably players who are like that. So coaches who are like that are managers, but they've they've previously played at a decent level, sort of thing. So they've kind of not earned the stripes mm-hmm. in a certain way. But you can you can get away with it a little bit more being a manager. But as a coach, you've got to be you've got to be half decent. Like like I said, you are your own business card, especially in the fitness industry and in, in your industry mm-hmm. as well. Uh but talking about kind of last little point. An effective schedule during lockdown and how to make the most of your time. Just walk us through like a brief day in the life sort of thing. Or kind of how have you made your schedule as effective so, as possible during this time?
1: At the beginning of each week, uh, like you, I like my whiteboards. <laughs> yeah, I write a list down of things week uh, daily I want to do, and then I'll write an overall weekly of what I want to achieve, and that's kept me focused certainly. Miles uh, better at the beginning two weeks than I did. I started slacking at the beginning of the two weeks. I started just having days off. And then I started really getting into gear with things. So having daily objectives to achieve, massive. And then weekly objectives as well. I don't know about monthly objectives because we don't know how like long in terms of what your goals are. Um, we don't know when we're going to come out of lockdown. So ter- I'd take it day by day, week by week currently, in case anything's changed rapidly. But I don't think there will anytime soon. And then in terms, do you want us to go through like what we talked about in terms of footballers or do you want us to just go through my usual schedule?
0: Just everything, go through yours and then we'll kind of discuss like how we feel it would be beneficial for footballers to settle that day. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah, spot on. So, like I say... Daily and weekly objectives to start with before anything. And then wake always I always have something like that can spark I feel like it, it might not be true that it might spark your brain up, but like something that gets us going. And I feel like always having a coffee in the morning. Someone else might have a different thing, so it might be like splashing the face with water like cold water. Yeah. I always use a coffee to spark my deal. And then it might not have an impact, but In terms of me mentally, it does to me. That's just my own like prop of spark of my day. So having a coffee in the morning for me is essential. And then in terms of what I've been doing, it's been either getting some work done, either going for a quick run or planning whatever I need to plan for the rest of the day. So I'll plan that out and then look to meet my daily objectives throughout the full day. Obviously, this could change whether you have one to one clients or online clients, but I try to minimize the time that I'm on social media throughout that day. And usually I just like look back at the beginning of the day, and I think it's the end, the halfway point, um, like around 12 ish lunch, then about at the end. And that just obviously keeps us updated, but it's I'm not spending too much time massively on it. And then towards the day, like yourself probably does, you start to like cool down. Um, reading either a book, listening to a podcast on my walk, and just really taking other aspects of life into consideration rather than just like social media, social media, yeah. playing on your PlayStation. It just I feel like reading and podcasts now massively just open your mind up a lot more, and it's something that I've tried uh, not do as much in the past because some people, especially when you're younger, you find it boring. you do you find listening to podcasts and books boring but you start to realize how beneficial these like tools are into sharpening your mind a lot more so in terms of my daily schedule it's very flexible but it's got the basic essentials of what i need to do so i'm not restricting myself oh i've got to do this at one o'clock i've got to do this at two o'clock because nobody's going to be able to do that yeah like you give your rough like yourself does in the morning nine o'clock we do a workout but from there you're not going to say to yourself oh i've got to do this by 9 i've got to do that because long term it's not going to be effective at all
0: yeah i think as well if you set times on stuff like there's going to be certain things where you can't like procrastinate all day and do something like waste mm-hmm. time pretty much but you'll kind of like beat yourself up if you don't get this word on an hour like you just take your time with it and make, get it done to the best of your quality as long as you Give yourself enough time to get all the set things that you need to get done on that day done. Like, don't worry about ticking off a big 20 page of, like, list of things that you need to do. Just focus on like, it's like the 80-20 rule that I think I've, uh, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but like try and get that that top 20% that you need to get done. If you get that done on a day, you'll progress. And then obviously if you can get the mm-hmm. the other A things that you kind of need to do, like, that they'll be beneficial to do. Try and get them done in the day if you can, if you've got enough time, but then then one or two or maybe three things at the top, you need to get them done. And then if you just keep getting them done, you'll progress. So don't yeah, think to worry, worry about that too much. But yeah, setting out mm-hmm. your day, like having that little, I like the little trigger, that sort of thing, or I forgot what you call it. Um, I forgot what they call it now. There's like a name for what it is, but like a trigger thing, like footballers do it, something like having a routine, something before a game. Um, I forgot the name for what it is now. It's like a psychology thing, but having something like that, like for me, I'm up, cold shower, diary, walk, then coffee, and then I sit down on my way. So my routine is a little bit longer. But having that routine, having a coffee or something in the morning, just obviously the the Mm -hmm. caffeine sparks your mind anyway. So, um, yeah, so we'll move on to like a football routine. Do you have any sort of – how would you set out in terms of – I
1: feel like I'll let you – but what I say in a order or on a day, about yeah, yeah. seven for a full week. So I feel like you need to, first of all, I feel like you need to do stamina training and it needs to be varied, definitely massively. But I feel like going on runs, especially massively recently, I've had players come in who's doing loads of running in the tall and straight lines. So it's not football yeah. conditioning at all. Because obviously your hips and your muscles and different joints are going through a lot more than just running a straight line constantly with the occasional turn. Uh It's completely different to football. Football is very explosive, changing directions. And that's why people find when I put them into my stamina training drills a lot harder. And it's more conditioned, obviously, to the sports. I feel like essentially everything needs to be conditioned. Like I say at the beginning, needs to have a reason why you're doing it. It's good, yeah, going for a two-mile, three-mile run for endurance and just health and well-being. Put a footballer in to that environment, sharp-changing directions constantly. It's going to, on your joints and muscles especially, it's going to have a different Uh impact massively. So stamina training, but it needs to be varied, like I said. Mm -hmm. Speed and agility, but not the ladders. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel like... Mobility and um, stretching, massively key part. I know you'll touch upon that, mass, yeah, because uh, you're a good man in terms of doing your stretching and mobility. Yeah, I
0: love my mobility.
1: Um, so, stamina, speed, and agility, mobility, and flexibility. Um I would definitely say ball work because a lot of people have been forgetting to actually get touches on the ball. Yeah. And when you go back into that football environment of getting many touches on the ball as you can, it's, it's the Transition from not doing that is going to be a lot different. And I feel like running with the ball and without the ball is totally different. Um, so ball control, ball technical skills, keep them up regardless of how easy they are. And then I would say reflection and also analysis, looking at other footballers constantly. Just because you, you're only seeing your view of football and others around you. But you're not taking the best, you, you'll take good parts, but they're only from like the players who are the same ability as you around you. Yeah. If you watch, say, the elite um, athletes and their mindset, and um, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan, great. Yeah, that at the minute. If you take little parts of the and put them into your game, and um, little parts that you like. And re- try and replicate them. I'm not saying try and be that person, but if you take a little part of their game and put them into your game, you're certainly going to become a better player. And then, so that's what I want you to try and put in when yeah. you just yeah. all them things, more or less.
0: Yeah, I'll quickly run through it, because I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth on your podcast. I'm going to end up coming on yours anyway. Did, but... we talk,
1: did I say strength training as well?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going did to say I? we'll
1: talk. I think I did.
0: Yeah, but we'll, obviously strength there's strength and conditioning stuff as well as massive for footballs. But you talked about stamina, obviously not just running straight lines. I think obviously you need to build an aerobic base so going for like your long distance runs and stuff is fine. Probably I wouldn't waste too much time like once a week for that sort of stuff's good. Just obviously having a general aerobic base, being able to run, you need to be able to do that because you do like, yeah. I, think I take 10K or something like that on average, like a footballer does in a game, roughly. Yeah, it Obviously a fluctuation in position and stuff, but... You want about changing direction and stuff like that. That's massively important. So I don't know if people realize, but there's a. I've heard this from a strength conditioning coach called Carl Dietz, who's an American, he does NFL players, hockey players, everybody. Mm-hmm. But actually running like laterally. So if you ran side to side, obviously not facing forward, just like laterally running side to side, like sidestep yeah. sort of thing. You're actually your body your body isn't actually used to run that way. So your heart rate increases more than you would if you ran in a straight line. A lot of people don't realise that. Your body, like it's like moving like a crab, pretty much. It's the simplest way to move it. If you move that, your heart rate actually goes higher than if you were to run in a straight line. Obviously, you have to run at a decent pace to get to that point. But working that, which is probably why people find it harder to do like the the shuttle drills and stuff like that, working Mm -hmm. different things like that, also working different paces, so not just doing your half an hour 5k, 10k runs. Splitting it up as well, because football, like, like perfect example, you never constantly run. You're always stopping and starting, and you're always working at different intensities. So different intensities, whether you split your sessions up, like four-minute runs with a minute rest, repeat them a few times, or you go to shorter distance sprint stuff. Um, So you're working mm-hmm. like pitch sprints. Uh, there's a few ones you can do, like box the boxes So you like walk the length of the box, sprint to the other end of the box, walk to the touchline and back, and then just repeat them a few times. There's loads. Um, red zone running is a good thing. Want to follow for stuff like that. Oh, I know they've, yeah, got got that good, they've got quite a good. They've uh, got quite a good, bit of stuff on their Instagram and Twitter and whatever they have. Um, but varying the intensity. So split them up. So I normally have like one stamina day, based running day, which is just like your steady run, keeping it in a nice uh, steady pace. Also try and breathing through your nose. The I'm gonna I'm reading the book in a minute which is big on uh, nasal breathing just because you can I've put a post on it. So check out the post. It tells you a bit more about it, but pretty much yeah, it's more beneficial to breathe in for your nose for a long period of time rather than trying to mouth breathe because mouth breathing creates a lot more stress than nose breathing. So you want to try and keep your body as calm as possible. Obviously when you're doing sprints and stuff like that, it, it's very, very hard to breathe for your nose. So sometimes you might have to breathe for your mouth, but practicing that, like check out my post that I've done on that. Um, obviously working different angles and stuff like that. And then the strength condition inside of it, which we'll touch a little bit more on your podcast. Loads of single leg works, loads of plyometrics, because obviously you want to be explosive, moving side to side, jumping up for headers, changing direction, which will transfer over to, into your agility, uh, acceleration work. Um, loads of hamstring work as well, because a lot of footballers get hamstring injuries, which will help them in running. But that's just briefly core cool stuff, single leg stuff hamstring work like glute bridges Nordic curls but like i said i'll run through that more in depth in your yeah. podcast so that's just briefly mobility got to do mobility try and do at least i'll say 20 minutes each day so there's a few snc courses which recommend a two to one ratio of training to recovery so mm-hmm. pretty much i always stretch for at least 10 minutes after i train and then like you said ball work get on the ball as much as you can so that's pretty much yeah, everything definitely. covered in terms of the routine. How we split it up, there's obviously certain ways you can split it up to be most beneficial, but you need to make sure you have your rest days as well. So I at least one rest day, I think, at the minute, because you should you should have kind of like a week off maybe completely do nothing and then go build it up back into training. But because we're on yeah. lockdown and pre-season is well, to be fair, we don't know when is gonna be. I know a few mm-hmm. football teams are back at the minute, but um you can probably hammer training quite a bit at the minute and then just kind of taper down a little bit when you get closer to preseason so you don't burn yourself out. But like I said again, we'll run through that more in depth. But I think that's pretty much yeah. everything we wanted to cover. To be fair, today it's probably been about an hour. So we'll finish off with the three the three questions which I know you've prepped for a little bit. Uh, yeah, three questions. Yeah. First one, uh, three people past the present who you'd like to invite round for dinner.
1: So uh I thought about this one, who I'd get the most interesting conversation within the three?
0: Yeah. So
1: I've p- picked Cruyff, um, Kobe Bryant, and Bill Gates for massive uh, yeah. in the head, in and just in terms of like just a general conversation and experiences you could get out of them three would yeah. be massive.
0: Yeah, good little double of athlete and business as well. Because Bill Gates, like he's he's an empire, isn't he. Well it was
1: just when I was uh, researching Jorn Cruyff, it's I looked and had and it, it, the amount of people that like referenced him with the influence that he's had on their life and career was massive. Like there was like a list like that long. It was so that's and when I went over at the Amsterdam and I asked there was a lot of information on him, just like someone massively who's had an influence on football as a whole. Yeah. as well as also playing styles and tactics. So I feel like he would bring a lot at the table as well as Kobe Bryant, who's an Imagine, amazing yeah. basketball player and also an influential speaker. And then Bill Gates in terms of business and also his mindset was massive. So yeah, yeah very smart.
0: All very smart fellas. Solid, solid three there. And then three people you'd want to train with so that could be in the gym or football-wise.
1: So I picked Mike Tyson. Because I was watching a video the other day of Mike Tyson for the first one. He was just an absolute animal and his mindset as well, massive. Just like he wants to come back, come back into it, and like for his age, just like
0: yeah, gotta
1: be it's gotta be like crackers to like, <laughs> want to try and achieve that. Like um Cristiano Ronaldo, massive. I feel like in terms of football, and comparing him, like a lot of people compare him to Messi. I feel like in terms of gym and football, like you said, Jim or football, I feel like he suits both of them very well. Yeah. Rather like I know Messi is not; he's an amazing footballer, probably just as good, if not better, at football. But in terms of Ronaldo, Jim. Massively dedicated to it as well as the football. Uh So last one was uh, Dwayne Johnson has the gym for gym (laughs) work. I feel like he'd he'd be an absolute beast to train with. Imagine having him as a personal trainer. Man,
0: he'd have you up at like I think he gets up at like three in the morning and stuff like that. And have you not seen these gyms, man? He he gets his own gym moves around for him. Like wherever he's like doing his acting or whatever, they'll move his gym. I think they call the Iron Paradise or whatever it's called. The move it around. Oh, he's, from him. he's got his own portable one to draw. It's
1: just when, when when I was over in America last year, like especially Under Armour advertisement of him. Yeah. He's got his own range out actually. Yeah, yeah. Massive. Just like just didn't realize how much like people like really appreciated him. Yeah. So he seems I like was, a part of,
0: like sound guy as well. He seems like a like Yeah, definitely. Sound guy?
1: So I thought I'd uh, vary it up with different egos and uh, yeah. training like methods and styles.
0: That'd be decent decent session that and the last one one thing that you'd say to yourself five years ago
1: so i thought about this one actually um quite a bit and i'd say to myself make the most of your time available don't let one day go to waste because there's not one day you couldn't be doing something whether that's self-development like everyone's doing now checking up on family and friends and taking up or taking up a new hobby i feel like in the past, I'd waste a lot of days just sitting on Xbox or just yeah. doing nothing and just relaxing because I feel like rubbish. But there's not one day you couldn't be checking up on your grandma, check checking up on your mates, or taking up a new hobby or interest. Like there's not one day in life where you could not be doing something. Yeah. If you know what I mean, whether that's uh-huh. the list of things or the best thing possible and pushing yourself to your limit, whether it's something I feel like you've got like without going too deep into it you've got you've got a life and you've only got so many years and days and it or it goes a lot quicker than people think
0: so yeah
1: make the most of time available massive
0: yeah that's one of my biggest like fears like not being not doing enough in my life because i think about it constantly and like not doing everything that i know i could have in life which is always yeah but now i mean that's spot on. that's been a great episode thanks for coming on mate
1: yeah it's been a privilege really and i know i'm looking forward to getting here on my own
0: i know mate and they, oh yeah shout out your podcast as well what's your podcast name
1: so that's game changer um just talks to local business entrepreneurs coaches athletes trainers like yourself and hopefully we'll get that going in the next week too
0: all right, good now you put your intro out and so to be fair by the time this out i think there'll be a few episodes out already so check that out Then your instagram yeah. the Insta- instagram twitter linkedin all that sort of stuff what's
1: so that's at game changer podcast underscore on instagram and then yeah. all the links are there yeah. so if anyone's interested in that sort of stuff yeah. make sure I, check that one out
0: and then your personal your business instagram is a marksman one-to-one training
1: that's, yeah at marksman one-to-one training and there then that's are. with the numbers one
0: yeah so. spot on all right so anybody's in the north you see one's one-on-one football training get at this guy but no mate that's been that's been spot on appreciate you coming on yeah
1: yeah no worries mate it's been really good really ah. it's some really interesting uh topics obviously oh, i didn't man. want to go too in depth about yeah, it we can talk but, all day
0: about this like but I uh, massively spot on. massively all Right, cheers mate spot on no worries thank you very much for everybody who listened to this full episode i appreciate it if you've made it this far so thanks again to jordan for coming on if you haven't already get subscribed to his instagram and his podcast is definitely going to be a good one to listen to so if you haven't already as well get subscribed to process this podcast it would mean a lot if you could just hit that subscribe button thank you very much and if you did enjoy the episode Could you give us a five-star review? Leave a little comment what you thought of the episode, what you thought of the podcast in general. If you've listened to other episodes, that would mean a lot as well. And if you've got a friend who hasn't already listened to the episodes, just send the link straight to them, get them to listen to it, get their feedback. And if you want, you can message me as well and let me know your feedback. I will happily reply to that. So thank you again for listening. This has been Process.